What's next? Living longer, better, smarter. Thanks for spending time with us once again. This episode, You and Your Library, is made possible by Vivid Picks. So I've been in the photo business for 37 years, and I've seen a lot of things come go. But one thing has not changed, and that this wonderful thing we call a photograph captures a moment in time so that we're able to reminisce and relive those memories tomorrow. And it's, and it's important for us to do that so we can share them with loved ones and we can share them with future generations. So please don't let your memories fade. They're important. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Mary Furlong and some special guests. And Mary is in Missoula, Montana. Hi, Mary. Oh, it's so beautiful here, Fred. And this is our first remote podcast. So greetings from Missoula and this unbelievable award-winning public library, which was just named Best Public Library in the World in 2022 by the World Library Congress in Dublin. Just amazing. And you have a special guest with you that our viewers are seeing already. Tell us about it. So I'm here with my wonderful friend and colleague, Abe Abramson. Abe, thank you for spending so much time with us. We met um, many, many years ago during the Clinton administration, we were both advisors on libraries in the internet. And you have created an award-winning library here. So I want to have you share this with our audience. Well, uh, about almost 50 years ago, I came back from East Asia and, and took on uh, being a trustee of the public library governance structure. And during the first couple of years, realized that we were uh, serving way beyond our capacity and started thinking about a new library. And over the years with some friends here in town, uh, started a foundation and uh, we spent uh, a couple decades and we ended up with uh, this prize winning library. And uh, I, uh, having spent two years more than half of my life on this project, decided about a month ago that I would use the occasion of my 80th birthday to resign from the foundation that I uh, had helped start it. So that was the occasion yesterday where we had a, a nice gathering up on the top floor and uh, I effectively resigned from the, from the foundation. And um, gosh, there were almost 200 people from the community and from all over at that reception to celebrate your 80th birthday. And they made it an annual Abe Abramson Day uh, yeah. in Missoula. But I want to drill down and talk about some of the features of the library that make it so special. But Fred, do you want to introduce Rick? Sure. We have with us also Vivid Picks founder Rick Boyd, who has developed a strong tie to many libraries through his memory station innovations. Ty, Rick. Hi, Fred. Hi, Mary. And of course, Abe, congratulations to you and thanks for all you've been doing for us all. And let's learn, before we get back to you, Rick, let's learn more about uh, Abe and this amazing library in Missoula that perhaps we can all learn some lessons from. Uh, Mary, you and Abe, as you mentioned, go way, way back. Yes. I mean, we were in a world-class team of people as commissioners on libraries and the internet, just as the internet policies were being shaped. But it was a privilege to serve with 
Walter Anderson, LeVar Burton, Gene Simon, um, many others that was, we really had a passion for bringing access. But I, I want to talk about the tour we saw the other day and, and the vision for the library. So tell us about the meticulousness that the foundation and executive director put into the library. Well, the way, the way we uh, started thinking about this, uh, I'm part Swedish by heritage, and I actually have a daughter in Stockholm and had visited uh, what they call, in their terms, the culture house concept. And so I was thinking about a library that would incorporate, for instance, this studio for podcasting and also a community radio station and also a maker space. And uh, uh, we have in the library as constructed here, we have 14 venues that with a library card you can reserve at no cost for non-commercial purposes. And they're all of varying sizes and most of them have you know, a sink and a video, and we have one gig Wi-Fi throughout the library, and we're about 106,000 square feet. So on four floors, we have quite a facility here. And uh, so uh, the foundation, separate from the governing trustees, we actually sent some of the governing trustees, the board on which I used to serve, to Stockholm to see the concept that we had become interested in. And then we uh, aligned with a architecture firm in Minneapolis, MSR, that has done over 300 libraries in the United States, 250 of them from dirt like ours, you know, starting right from bare ground. And uh, we uh, talked them into getting on board with us and they've ended up sharing the, sharing the prize that we got. So it was, a, it was a long process and we just, we didn't say no to anything initially, we looked at everything. So let me walk you through our tour. So we started with the technology behind the book return and we all returned a book and tell us how that works. Well, it's a system that I saw when I was at the International Library meeting in Copenhagen. I took a ferry over to Malmö, Sweden and saw a new system and it's not quite unique, but the, what people can do is return a book. And as they said it in the first part of a, what you can think of as a treadmill, the code is read, shows it's back in the library and it goes into a specific bin or a specific shelf. And so, whereas on average, a library our size, we circulated 1.1 million items last year, uh, would take as much as five to seven days to have a return book back on the shelf. On average, ours are back on the shelf in less than two days. And in the digital environment, that's more important because somebody from home can see the library book was returned. And if they come down to the library and it's not there, they're a disappointed taxpayer. And let's talk like about it. the children. So the children's section is amazing. I came every day of my vacation to the library. <laughs> and uh, first time I've ever done that uh, on my vacation. And, uh, and there is a maker space here that some of the children have spent three hours playing in the makerspace. There is a video game area. There's um, an area where children can have a free lunch. So there's a sign that says free lunch today. That says the, the school system runs a lunch program for school children in the summer in the library that we, that we host. There's a cooking school. So upstairs on the third floor, there's a, a brilliant uh, design center where you can take a cooking class and you can rent uh, pans 
So you were not so sure you should have. I wasn't so sure that was going to happen, but uh, people check them out just like books. Oh, here's a, a, a mold that my grandmother used to make for her green jello mold at Thanksgiving every year. And people check them out like books and clean them and bring them back. And, and so I found that really inspiring. There were a lot of cookbooks on the wall. And, um, and then the light here, first of all, you see these beautiful mountains all around, but there's a reading room where you can get back issues of magazines, which are really hard to find these days. So I must have, I read Vital Speeches and Vanity Fair while I was here. And uh, it was so interesting to be able to sit in this chair and see the light of the mountains. What do you call that? Ambient light? Uh, yeah, yeah, just the ambient light. Yeah, we have a, a it faces northeast, so you get diffuse northern light. And uh, in the winter, it's nice because in our winter here, you get the morning sun. And yet in this time of the year, you get the evening shade because of its orientation. So. And, and then tell us about the top floor where your party was last night. The very top floor is, uh, has a reception space, plus it has a full length uh, outer deck that's uh, available. And uh, as for the celebration of my uh, resigning from the foundation yesterday, you can reserve it at no cost for non-commercial purposes. And we had a couple hundred people up there. A lot of them are hunting and fishing buddies of mine and other professional colleagues. And, and uh, so it's, uh, it's in the. It's really under the Swedish concept, a culture house, and uh, we uh, we're pretty proud of it. We spent thirty nine million dollars, and we got a thirty million dollar uh, tax uh, levy with sixty two percent affirmative votes, and then we raised uh, six point seven million dollars privately, and we pounded it all in here, and we're very proud of it. And I remember. Um... I remember when we were both together in the library commission, we went to the Seattle Public Library where they had a mission where every baby born, the parents would get a copy of Pat the Bunny and the parents would get how to raise a reader. So I've always been a reader and a writer. And I just told Abe this morning, I'm coming back to work on my new book. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm going to update Turning Silver into Gold. Want to update some of the stories of, from the companies that we know. And Rick, I know you're here with us too. I was very impressed at the digital areas that they have here where you can bring some of your um, um, records and old uh, videotapes and they will for free digitize. you know, digitize them. And then also for free, price of a library card, which I'm gonna get a Missoula library card today. Um, you can rent one of how many conference rooms? There are 14 venues in the building that you can reserve remotely online if you have a library card yeah. for at no cost uh, for non-commercial purposes. Wow, just, just amazing, Mary. We're going to come back to you in a second, but Rick, you have a great perspective on the types of services that are available today, way beyond checking out all the wonderful books. It seems like uh, up in Missoula, they've got all the bases covered, <laughs> just about anyway. Well, it sounds like they are putting wonderful things in place and, and, and listening or have put them in place and listening to some of the things that Abe's already put in place. It reminds me of some of the activities that, that we are doing. Yeah, uh, we're very fortunate that we work with a, a business partner by the name of Today's Business Solutions. 
that A probably is familiar with, and we're in close to a thousand libraries with their easy scan solution. And then uh, we we also now having worked in the library community for over five years, uh, we have wonderful partnerships, say for instance, with Allen County Public Library in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I'm sure Abe from a genealogy perspective is quite familiar with them. And the genealogy center there has two of our memory stations that actually allow the patrons, yes, to be able to bring in um, their own photos and documents and scan and restore and do some additional things with those. Um, and, and I also, it's fun, uh, we've got an event going on next month with Dallas Public Library, um, tying together the food heritage with the memories um, of, of those, those foods. And then in October, tying together the digitization of, of photos and documents again. So A, in, in September, doing the food memories and heritage. Um, and then September is just a large uh, scanning event as well. So um, I do travel the country a lot, have driven through Missoula. It's a wonderful, wonderful place if people have not been up to Montana. And uh, I look forward to seeing all that you've done sometime. Well, come and I'll give you my personal 54-minute tour that takes an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. wait. He's got one coming up. Though, so let's, let's uh, get back to you for a second, Abe. I wanted to ask you. This $39 million public library investment, what is it about the community there that enabled you to do this? Because in a lot of places, you know, it's cut, 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 and, you know, watch the pennies, et cetera. Well, of course, we're all unique in one way or another. But for instance, we have a, a, a university here, the University of Montana, that's one of the 100 members of the research universities in the United States. We have the fourth most road scholars west of the Mississippi. And uh, we also, uh, uh, I think it's a, a, still a statistic of the 100,000 or so people that live in this county, 75% of the adults have a library card, an active library card in our library. And so we're book people and uh, uh, we, focus in the school system on, on youth reading skills. And uh, I think that's all part of it. Uh, we, we did get, as I say, a 62% positive vote on a $30 million bond issue on a project that didn't even have a, a sketch of what we were thinking of doing, so. That is, that is amazing. Any advice that you have for our, our listeners and viewers about making use of their own public libraries today? in this age of apps and ebooks, streaming content, et cetera? No shushing. That's my main advice for libraries. No shushing. Um, no loud noises anymore than in the home or in a hospital. But you don't shush people. People can talk. Now, that doesn't mean they can, they can have meetings on their telephone uh, in, in an open area. But, but we, you want people to feel like they can come in and share fully. And, and uh, a lot of it has to do with the staff. Amazingly, we moved right across the street. Our old building was directly across the street here. And uh, we, uh, we, we got almost uh, three times the ability to circulate items, if you think of it in librarians' terms, in our new structure here. And yet we're running it with the exact same staff. This material handling system that we have uh, we're told saves us about three and a half full-time paraprofessional equivalents plus better service because the books are back on the shelf in a couple of days. 
And you people know, come to the library even in the middle of the Montana winter? Yeah, even the more so. The more so. So, Fred, also, you know, there's a coffee shop. You, you could take your latte around as you work. And, uh, and for, for so our you, listeners, Mary's got one in her hand. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, I couldn't believe that you started with the coffee shop. And, you know, I tested it at 4.30 in the afternoon. The coffee shop's still open. So if you need little, a little wake up there. Um, I'd like to go back and find one of our original pictures when we were young commissioners mm -hmm. and see if we can optimize that through vivid pics, Rick. And, mm -hmm. and there's a point that Abe mentioned that I didn't catch on the tour when you gave it the first time, and that is culture. And I think we don't think enough about culture in the community. So if you go to Victoria, they have a minister of culture. And it feels to me, this is very culturally connected to the community. And I wonder if what I liked about this project in coming here is that it was a capstone project for you in some ways. Well, and, and for the, the firm, when I discovered the firm that had done over 300 libraries, I flew to Minneapolis and had dinner at the home of one of the principals and told him about our project. He said, Abe, I'm retiring in a year. And I said, well, this could be your capstone project. And he kind of humorously got captivated by the idea. In fact, because of COVID, when you couldn't even get door handles and stuff, our library actually had its grand opening almost exactly to the day of a calendar year after it was supposed to. And that principal did retire in the interim, although handed it over to someone that carried it on. And, uh, but but that, that was the difference. They got excited about our willingness to go their way with the project. I also was very inspired by the docents that serve and give tours and I want to, I'm going to be 75 in a few months. And I think it's really hard to say, okay, um, I just found out yesterday I've been nominated, or I think I'm receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award. And, uh, and so that's what happens when you get to be 75. But I like the fact that you're 80, you're five years older than me. And I like highlighting the work of people who've taken their long history and then put it into a project that could serve so many. And that really inspired me last night. And your daughter was there. Uh, oh, I have a little bit of gossip here. Uh, I had a friend. I was at a bed and breakfast in England with my sister. And she was looking for a horse. And I said, oh, you should get a horse in Montana if you're going to get a horse. And so I introduced her to you. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? And then she sold her business and moved here. Yes. And mm -hmm. she was at the party last night. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you all have dinner every now and then, we're right? So we're still very close. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love that there's been a little bit of that relationship magic in this. And I also am very grateful for my long history and friendship with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been 20 plus years. <laughs> <laughs> and as well as you, Fred, and, and thank you, Rick, for being a part of this. I, it's a joy to be remote doing this at this amazing library. I hope all of you get to come here one day and visit it. I want to get a little bit more input from, from Rick. I, I had asked uh, you this question, Abe, uh, but when you take a look at libraries and, and what they mean to people today, it really is evolving, and you're seeing so many around the country. I Thank you, and I am. And, and this conversation has been wonderful. And I think the one thing that really comes forth is what Abe had said is, is – you don't have to shush anymore. And if you have not been in a library in the last few years and the last couple of decades, they've changed. 
they're wonderful places. And um, I was uh, at a meeting or we work with the South Carolina Historical Society as an example, and their archives are actually in the College of Charleston's um, library up on the third floor. And and I had a, a meeting that I was able to drive downtown. I was able to sit in a in a common area. I was able to attach to the, to the Wi-Fi. Ironically, actually had a, a virtual call with England at, at that morning and then walked up to my meetings. So these spaces are available for us mm -hmm. to be able to come into a community area. Very nice, very safe, wonderful locations. Um, and, and then two, for you then to be able to touch on resources because we do have this this digital connectedness of so many resources that are are not available at home that are only available in our libraries in digital form as well as um, physical pieces as well it's it's unique hearing about your pants so um, I really have to give a shout out for lack of a better word to to how wonderful our our libraries have become, um, especially for those folks that are a little bit um, older, uh, that remember that they were quite different way back when. Well, I might not have said this if you hadn't just prompted me, but one of the problems we have in advancing library services is librarians. And so when I speak to a group of librarians, as I am want to do at least once a year, some connection or other, I always say, they say, why is a real estate broker involved in, in libraries? And I always start out with the challenge. I say, you know, you got to understand that just as hospitals are much too important to be left to doctors, libraries are much too important to be left to librarians. And one of the hurdles you're going to have if you try to advance something is overcoming the negative inertia of wonderful professional librarians. And I can't say it any other way. And I, I have taken a little bit of a program for putting it that way, but that's the way I feel about it. For instance, yeah, in the community, you know, people say, what are we going to build this new library for? Libraries are over. Everything's online. Right across the street, the last year in our old building, which is one-third the size of this, we, we, the way librarians measured it, we circulated 933,000 items. The first year in the new building, 1.3, uh, 1.1 million. So, you know, that's a half a million more. And that's how many a day if you're open six days? Yeah, you know? the, the level of engagement, there's a section where people were doing 3D printing lessons. And I saw people from teenagers to older adults in there learning that and a lot of checkout of computers. So anyone that's in a hallway in between jobs and you paid a lot of attention to staff offices. Staff, staff areas, uh, bathrooms, we didn't skimp on bathrooms. And uh, all, the all the managers have offices and there's uh, no, you know, everybody has the amount of room that they need. And, and Rick, as you were saying, people that work from home, you could see them coming or work remotely. Uh, there's a notion now, as we get older, we can work from anywhere. The, and then as we do that, connect in, with our podcast. So thank you both for being with us. Thank you, my dear friend and colleague. I'm so proud of you. You know, it's so great to be there to celebrate successes like, uh, and- On the occasion of my 80th birthday. Yes. Just a dink. Yeah, and you had so many people from all over, your high school friends, your- Air Force, flying school, everywhere, yes. yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, 
and my son and his fiance, his wife came. Yeah, right? yeah, right. it's wonderful. Yeah. And your family. So it was yeah. just an amazing celebration. We should never forget to celebrate the most important moments in the lives of our friends and colleagues. I think we should. We, we should. Really we really should, should always hold on. To we that. shouldn't wait for the funeral to say those <laughs> nice things. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of nice things said last week. So thank so, you. So that's if if I had a place to start in talking with somebody that's talking about starting a foundation and it's a process moving forward. It's just remember, libraries are much too important to be left to librarians. And that's why we have to have the other people involved to support them. Even in their professional goals, they, they have a little bit of a reticence to assert their positions. And, and, and you know, like your top floor, when you, you had it halfway done and then someone came up. And yeah, we had, uh, because of COVID again, we ran out of money. And one of the people that was involved in our project come and said, why doesn't this deck go the whole length of the building? And we said, well, you know, we ran out of money. He stood there and wrote us a check for $300,000. So can I make one more, can I make one more comment? And I know we're wrapping up, but I think again, Abe, you're making such wonderful comments. Um, tying to the people that come out of school with a master's in library science and the like. So I work a lot in family history and genealogy. And, and if you come out with that degree, you may have never learned anything about genealogy, family history. You might even understand history well, but you don't really know how to do the family, the family search, for lack of a better word. Um, so what we actually, and, and that all of us as a community have to put the resources in place in order to bring our perspectives to something better. So what we ended up doing, working with others, is um, the American Library Association had never created an education in family history genealogy. So we brought together librarians and business people and even family search. And uh, we created a 12 part class, which was for um, genealogy librarians. And we all gave of our time, it still served from the Vivid Pick site in order for people to be able to learn about A, um, how would you market your library? How would you um, how would you help someone through a research path? How would you work with local historical and genealogical societies? Mm -hmm. How do you do outreach in your community to drive people into your locations? Mm -hmm. So it it isn't just the librarian that has the answer. Exactly. It's us as a community, like you're saying that you know don't leave it up to the librarians. Reach out to your local librarian. We and all can create the support things. the librarians. Yeah. Yes. Force them to use their best ideas. Yeah. Well, that's Fred, terrific. Uh, that's why I wanted to have this session. I just love being here and uh, thank you. And I do recommend to each of you on a personal basis, go to the MSR architecture firms, design firm site and look at how they offer themselves to the public. And then specifically, there's a small video which they produced about our library. Amazing. Well, congratulations, uh, Abe. Just wonderful. And and Rick, the, the work that you're doing uh, is just tremendous as well. And thank you both for, for joining us on the podcast. I'm glad to say this didn't make me proud. It made me happy. Fred, I'm so glad you got to meet my friend Abe and see this amazing public library. One of the things that inspired me about it was that he and the board searched globally for great solutions in every single area, in every single constituency that they serve. Um, but it also had a local component so that this combination of leadership 
in our later years, how do we both look globally for solutions and how do we look locally? And when I was perusing the periodicals upstairs, very hard to get back issues of magazines. I read all of the graduation speeches from this year's graduation from all these prominent people. Hey, the light was good, it was easy to read. So this notion of making these global resources local and also building something that engaged so many local people, so many families, so many older adults, it's just so even people working remotely. I think that's magic in creating these local cultural library learning centers. Just amazing. And uh, it strikes me that I don't know how late they're open, but you can also cook dinner there and go back to reading. <laughs> well, he Abe was telling me the parts that he wasn't so sure of, like the bike rack. Turned out the bike rack in the garage was really important for the staff who like to bike to work and want their bicycles to be secure. Also, you know, the place to rent pans. Who would have thought that a cooking school inside a library could be such an asset? And imagine if you combine healthcare and hospitals and people who have to change their diet because of diabetes or um, cardiac issues to be able to have heart healthy um, cooking classes. And of course our friend Lydia, I could just envision her doing a cooking class in this library, but it made me wanna go back and have all libraries be like that. So I'll be looking forward to Rick's tour of the libraries and what we learn from other libraries. And um, I guess I was really proud to serve with Abe and we should look up some of the other commissioners, LaVar Burton, I know he's done amazing things and um, with Reading Rainbow and others. So it's, it's fascinating. I think. We're on the right track when we look at these capstone projects for older adults. Terrific, Mary. Well, safe travels. We want to thank Vivid Picks again for helping to make this podcast possible. The site is vivid-picks.com. Don't let your memories fade. We appreciate all of you for taking the time to watch or listen. You can always find us at maryfurlong.com slash podcasts.